0: Hi, guys. Jonathan Galt here, staff writer for Let's Run.com. It's been one week since the NCAA Indoor Track and Field Championships, and as part of Let's Run's wrap-up coverage, I wrote an article about Andy Truard of Northern Arizona, who was the surprising winner of the men's 3000. As part of that story, I was able to interview Andy's coach, Mike Smith, who is in his second year as the director of track and field and cross-country at NAU. He's already had a lot of success, Last fall, Northern Arizona crushed the men's field to win its second straight NCAA cross-country championship in Louisville. Now they've got a national champion on the track, which is the program's first since 2010. Normally when I do an interview for a story like this, the audio just sits on my phone. But I found what Coach Smith had to say so interesting that I thought it might be running, uh, worth running as a separate podcast just so you guys could listen to it as well. Some of this stuff is in the story, but uh, there's a good chunk of it that's new that didn't make the story as well. One of the things that really appeals to me as a fan of the sport is strategy. And if you listen to this podcast, you will you will realize how much thought really goes into coaching at the top level of NCAA competition. I learned a lot from Coach Smith, uh, talking to him for this podcast, and I hope you do as well. So without further delay, here it is. Okay. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm interested, were you
1: surprised at all that you won the race on Saturday? Uh, I don't think I was, I don't think surprised. Um, You know, when when you're, when you're, when you have someone who's capable, when you have someone who's capable uh, and fit and ready and, you know, in a race like NCAA, I mean, I think we've, you see time and time again that uh, you know these things are totally possible. Uh I wouldn't I guess to say I wouldn't have been surprised if he didn't win because um you're racing you know, such a such a decorated runner in Justin Knight and uh someone who um, can close very well and so um you know there was there was some amazing athletes in that in that race and I mean we you know you especially when you look at the um, if it's tactical, you look at the speed of you got Knight in there, Grant Fisher, the Utah state kid is split three fifty six the night before. I mean you just had you know, it's a, so the slower that goes, the more uh, outcomes become possible. Um uh-huh. and I would say um you know, there was one of those outcomes is that Andy could win, but um, you know, certainly was not a given.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, you've obviously got you know a bunch of good guys on the team right now, and um, you know he's the first guy to win an individual title since 2010. Is it strange at all that it wasn't you know Futzum and when he was there or Matt Back through a pile of days that ended the drought, but instead it was your fourth man from the NCAA team. Yeah, I, th- I think it's um,
1: I think it's just a statement about how hard it is. To win one of those things, Um, because you're talking about some of the best, you know, some of the, Diego Strada, I mean, ran, you know, you have to look it up, check his five, but I mean, Diego Strada ran like 13, 15 or something, you know, it, you're, you're talking about, you know, put some, um you know, Matt was, Matt was second in the NCAA cross country, you know, that's some amazing athletes. I think really what it is is a statement of, how how hard it is to uh, to win an NCAA track championship, uh, and and forget how hard it's to win the track championship. It's, shoot, it's just really hard to be there. But you know, I would say it's you know similar to making an Olympic team. You know, you got guys like Solinsky, you got people that that exit their careers and you know are really really accomplished, and there's certain things that just man just shows you it takes someone going through their whole career at NAU and being as decorated as Diego or for some and not winning one to realize how hard it is to win. So. Yeah. Um,
0: when did you first think that Andy had the ability to win an individual title?
1: Well, when I first got to NAU, I had a period of time where I was coaching with uh, Eric Hines. We had... Uh, maybe three or four months together, and um, it was a really unique experience for me because I got to just assist, um, and, you know, he bounced some things off me, I bounced some things off him, but really it was a time to sit back and be an observer and a learner, and um, I, I did a lot of watching listening during that time, and... When you can see when I looked at this guy, Truard, you can see he has he's got good acceleration, and when he winds up, I mean he can, he can, uh, he can push from decently far out. but he had in his head he wanted to be this is a, a such a cliche story, but you know he because he can have success in the mile or the 1500. Um, he had made, when I got there, he had just made the 1,500 outdoors um, at the regional meet. So in his head, he, he'll run this cross-country thing, but really wants to be a 1,500-meter runner. And um, in that fall, before I'd fully taken on coaching duties of him, one of the things I, I said to him was, um, you, can run, you can run a fantastic 3K the best 3,000 and 5,000-meter runners have to have this kind of 1,500-meter um, speed to close. Otherwise, time and time again, you know, you get someone who's strong enough to be there late but is going to get the doors blown off. And he he has that, and it's just a matter of, you know, it was his choice from there. But, I mean, he's not a 1,500-meter runner. He never has been.
0: Uh- when do you
1: think he realized that? Um, I think a lot of the things, uh, <laughs> you know, they they know it. Uh, a lot of times the athlete will know it a lot earlier than they know it, which is they'll know it only in one one type of consciousness. It's like he knew what I was saying was, True, but he wasn't. He wasn't really ready to accept it, and so I think the thing as a coach is you don't, you don't change the standard, or you don't change telling them what's true, but you just wait for them to to realize it. And um, I think we, I think a really big moment for him was um, he redshirted outdoor track last year, and he. Um, he ran the 5K at um, what is it? Is it Oxy or the USATF middle distance Classic, Whatever that one is in um in May. Yeah. And um, you know, you know what I'm talking about. And um, yeah. And you know, he 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 was finally in a race where not. Not asserting himself in the middle um, and just trying to you know just kick in the end that was not going to work against these guys and um, he was there alone because he was red shirted and I'm watching and before the race uh, we had a quick call and I just, just told him to take a risk in the middle and I look and he you know in the, he's running this he's a no man's land on the track and he's really just sticking you know staying on the pace and committing to it. And I was like, "This is the missing piece. this is a lot of times when you know you have a fifteen guy that's um his interest in the five k is in not having it hurt too much and then being able to use the speed in the end, but the real breakthrough at that distance is going to be when you when you commit very, very early on and mm-hmm. with no plan for what's going to happen late and just trusting that you can do it i think Bob Kennedy has a quote somewhere talking about trying to break 13 minutes in the 90s there and saying he hurts at 800 meters in. And um, that takes – you could talk about that all day. It takes a lot for an athlete to realize that. And and that moment when I saw him really commit in the middle of that race, especially with no one around him on the track and just, you know, keep clicking off 66s or whatever it was, you know, he he ran 13:36 um, that night, and I think that was a breakthrough to him. Of um, I can handle these paces. This is how you race the middle of these races, and it doesn't mean if I commit like that, I'm not going to be able to access my my closing speed. So again, you have to wait for them to realize it. You can say it all day long. They have. It has to come. It has to come to them.
0: Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, so, you know, last winter I've been looking through his progressions and stuff. He didn't even make the NCAA indoor meet. And, you know, one year later he's, you know, he's taken down Night and He's the champion. What, what's changed? What's changed?
1: What's changed is exactly, um, exactly, um, that, exactly what I was just saying there. Um, yeah, we went to Iowa State last year. A big thing at NAU is, um, you know, we, we, we're gonna cross country is gonna is really important to our program, and so we're gonna ask a lot of those guys in the fall, um, and we want to be our best track runners in May and June. And so, uh-huh. you know, we we tell them we're gonna train for outdoor track, and we'll we'll take a crack at something. Um, we'll let them go somewhere in February, and you know, and, and and try to run something, but we're not going to chase anything. And, and and so as a coach, though, you got to really stick to that. And so last year I said, hey, man, um, you can go to Iowa State, you can run a mile or a 3K, and that's all we're going to do all season um, as far as, you know, trying to come down to sea level and really run a fast time.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: he chose the mile, and he chose to go out in dead last and kick at the end. And my question for him after that was, what did you – what did you learn? What did that? What did we get from that? What did you learn? And he, deservingly so, didn't qualify for the NCAA meet. He 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 ran a race that he won at Iowa State. I think he ran like right around four minutes. But there was um, there was no risk taking on his part, and um there was no there was nothing um courageous there, and. I give them credit because it's these things are really easy to write about, to talk about. It's really hard in a race to be like okay, I'm going for it. I mean it's really hard to do that. But the truth (laughs) is is that's there's not they're not growing. The athlete isn't going to grow, um, continuing to use continuing to run the same race they've always been running. And so to show you really how far he's come, he chose to race a mile, not a three K, and he chose to go out in the back and just hammer the last, you know, 400 meters, and it ran four flat, and it shouldn't have been an of Um So the growth, what you're seeing here is um, a, very much a change in mindset, and uh, that's, that's, credit him with that.
0: Uh-huh. So, you know, in his cross-country season, he was, you know, up there at the front with with Matt and Tyler at uh Louisville the first time and in Wisconsin. But then Re- Conference Regionals Nationals he you know fell back a little bit from that. Is th- that just that they're stronger ten K runners than him or why why do you think that was?
1: Yeah, the um for a diff- for for you know, for a a five ten guy, that difference from eight K to ten K is negligible for some of them. They, Tyler and Matt, they like to go farther. That's even better for them. For a guy who is talking himself through every meter that's past 1,500 meters <laughs> of whatever distance. Like if we're going to run to, you know, a 2K, you know, or we're gonna a regular 3K, you know, K I mean, that all for a guy that's coming up in distance you know that that difference from 8k to 10k um is a is a massive difference and it's a massive difference psychologically and it's at least at a minimum a difference physically um and also there's different styles of races they um you know in 8k in Wisconsin they weren't running that hard until late and when they started to move, it kept andy andy was right you know Andy was right in it the pace was really manageable
0: um louisville
1: uh he came on he came charging really late, and so it was a very different style than Matt and um Tyler, who had kind of gone from the front and so there's some just some differences in the races, but um he in our cross country win um you know. We got a lot of uh we there was so much excitement about us winning, and then Matt and Tyler kind of running from the front, and then Peter Lemong that are um our four five six, seven guys. no one talked about them, but really hidden in the story is um Andy on that day is um Going up to, running run up, a, a, you know, in, um, in Terre Haute the year before, they were more tactical in the first half, and then they really pushed the second half, and he's just passing people the whole, he's moving up the whole time. So from an affirmation standpoint, he's like, I'm, you know, he thinks he's doing great. Well, now this time we go from the front, boom, we, we we take it out really hard. Well, so he gets in position, you know, he's in the 30s at the mile, But this time it's fast, and you you know again you got you still got a long way to go. That was a pretty selfless running for his team because I he told me after he said I did not feel good, and I talked myself through that whole thing. But that's exactly what we try to teach them in cross country is um, that kind of selfless contribution. For each other, you know, um, Jordy Beamish was the same, and we, we had a guy that fell actually, Corey Glanz, and most people would fall and just feel sorry for themselves for the next 10k running around the track, and Glanz got up and passed all but a hundred people. He was in dead last, just in case it came down to us. You know, we needed him. So I mean, that they're doing that for their friends. They're doing that for each other, and. Um, so Andy's cross country race, when so I'm talking to you about courage, um, that was that national meet was um, something he should be really proud of. I know I'm certainly really proud of him for that because that was um, not his not a place where he felt really comfortable and um, and I know he was he was suffering out there. Yes.
0: Yeah. Now looking at the uh the free fan in Texas, you know, what was the strategy for the final?
1: Um, you know, when you get into these things, um, when I first started coaching, I would draw up these really elaborate race plans, and um, I've, I've really gone away from that. And that it clutters the athlete's mind too much and leads to too much indecision out there. And on a two hundred meter bank track, this indecision is is the death of you. And and so, instead, what I try to do is let them know several scenarios they might expect. And after that, I, I really think the coaching um, has happened way, way before the meet. Um, and, and in in this case, it would be to let Andy know that he can run with every one of those guys, he can close with every one of those guys, and... This will really just come down to to positioning. Um, when he got pretty frustrated at five k the night before because he kept trying to correct his position and get swallowed up again, um, and he had a lot of movement. And so when that thing really got going, um, he had exhausted a lot of uh, physical and emotional resources trying to get good position for when the real race began. And I think that positioning we got in the 3K was simply, he was gonna get off that line well and he was gonna be up front, and um, I don't think, we hadn't, didn't have a specific uh, plan to lead, um, but we try to teach them not to be afraid to find themselves in the lead. And so when I think when he got there, he said this is fine, and. Um, and he was um he was gonna be he was gonna be ready for um anything that happened from there. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about uh winning the straightaways and um I think um, I told Joe Franklin this, but Josh Kerr's race in twenty sixteen was a brilliant example of um, not letting not letting someone buy you. And, um, you know, Chesarek made several really, really good attacks, but if you can't get around someone before that turn begins at the end of a straight, um, you know, you're talking, it is really, really hard to do otherwise. Um, the kind of acceleration you need and... Um, at, at late stages of the race, you know, you're talking. You're gonna have to be in a really different place than the person that you're trying to pass to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, really, you can break the track down into two 50-meter segments that have to be you, have to be won. And um, if you watch Andy's race, he, he uh, Knight got past him. Actually, I think I counted two times. Knight's body actually was ahead of Andy's body. But the turn the turn began, and um, instantly night has further distance to travel at only a slightly faster velocity, so
0: interesting stuff um, yeah, i mean I, I think I definitely noticed just well indoors and u s a sorry and and table indoors, that positioning is is really crazy just.
1: And- and even more, you know, a 200 meter bank track. I mean, that's why, like, in the history of the sport, like, the, you know, when Milrose was in New York City on a 160 meter bank wooden track, these guys, Marcus O'Sullivan, you know, Eamon Coughlin, uh, Bernard Legat, like, there are certain people, um, who were just masters at small bank tracks. And if you, if you study those races, they're, um it's all about controlling the straights. And I would even say <laughs> to another even level, you know, being slightly wide on your turn to make it even harder to get around. I mean, those guys are just masters of that. And so you right. know there have been some good examples. Um you know, Centrowitz's uh Golden Rio from the front, um, you know, when it really got going, if you look with four hundred to go, um he does a little baby acceleration to maintain the lead going into the turn, and he does it again, um, he does it again on the back stretch and it, it's just, this is our equivalent of studying film. You know, football, every other sport, this film, this is, you know, this is, we have to study this. This is, uh, this is, um, this is our equivalent of film, is knowing how to run these races.
0: Uh-huh. Um, so the I got to ask about this. The final time I see him, I I didn't see this live, but watching the replay, I see him sort of look over and he sticks his tongue out. And I think this was at you. And then he sort of stumbled, but he recovered, you know, he trips on the road, but he recovers and he wins. Did did he say why he stuck his tongue out to you or what was going through his mind then?
1: Well, we had, um, we we uh i was there uh, at the five um i was there in the uh at the five k and also in the three k um in that same position and you know he knew i was there he's uh he's an emotional racer uh and i don't i don't know if he you know
0: We've had races where
1: he's like like you know he's uh he's looked at me in like a moment of kind of like elation or something and um he you know uh I just think he got he was just you know he, he's at, th- at that equivalent and you know in a race like that you're fighting for your life and he is just um, in the um, in the final moments of execution, and you know to me it'd be the equivalent of like putting up your arms or yelling or whatever it might be, but he's just i think just a big moment of um, emotion kind of coming out of him, and you know that uh, that has to be channeled as an athlete you got to be careful of that because you know like in all sports i mean that's the that's how you leave the basketball game with five fouls or, you know, you you have a lane violation in track and field or whatever it might be. It's just kind of like... So I think his emotion was... I think what it was is he... um, I don't think he even remembers it or he even really knows. But Mm -hmm. I think he... um, I think he knew he had it... I think he knew he had it won. And if you really... Like, a lot of people say, like, oh, he almost fell, which is, I think is, um <laughs> would be a whole other conversation, like, the guy fell, which is a great lesson for him. But I think, um I think really what it is is an exercise in sheer emotion. You know, there's, if you look at Ryan Hall at the finish line of 2017 when he ran the half American record, there's just there's the emotion just coming out of him. When you look at... Ryan Hall in the two thousand seven marathon trials when he went like one oh two in the second half of that course. I mean he just has like he's just screaming. I mean it's just like veins bulging out of his like neck. Like he just like you know, when you look at Alan Webb's um, I think when Alan Webb won USA's maybe mid two thousands, there's a finish line picture of him just like just screaming, just he like. So I think with Andy it's just a it was just a kind of a height, a moment of heightened emotion. But it's what actually, which, you know, a lot of people are like, oh man, he, he almost fell, but to me, that's not the crazy thing. If he almost fell, like that, that's on him. The crazy thing is, you want to know what the craziest thing is? The craziest thing is, he knew he had won. How can you have Justin Knight, the best kicker in the NCAA, on your shoulder, and, 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 He knew, he knew he, I mean, that's the scary thing. He knew, he already knew he won. And like, I know Andy's a, I know Andy's a great athlete. I know Andy's a great kicker. He has a level of confidence in certain situations that is all you can do is step back and just, all you can do is just step back and, and, uh, and witness it and be an observer of it. But I can't, can't take credit for it because you, you're telling me you got Justin Knight, like, you know, I, to me, it's like, what I mean, look at Knight, look at Knight's finish against Collegians in the last two years, and it's just, and 50 years ago and he's on your shoulder, and you, you know, Andy, he, he already knew it was done, and um, that to me is like the, the part where I, as a coach, just step back and go, you know, this is something that... This kind of confidence is something that is uh, is very rare. Uh-huh. Now- it's it confidence that I, I I have to say it's confidence that has to be channeled properly. And um, the the biggest thing I was afraid of was Justin Knight would think can Andy. You know, if Andy has a moment of like emotion like that, that Justin Knight would think like I, you know the biggest thing. And I didn't want anyone to think that you know Andy's like taunting Justin and. Um, Justin's like a just such a like the classiest act in this sport and I know I know that's not what was happening and, um, and our guys and him are really cool but it's, the biggest thing I was afraid of was like oh someone's gonna take that the wrong way
0: when I think really yeah.
1: it was Andy's equivalent of just like you know letting out a big screen at the end of a race
0: right I mean as a coach so when you see that and you see him step on the rail and you know it, are you panicking? Are you like, oh my god, my guy might have just cost himself the title, or are you just like, this is what he does? I'm okay, you know. How's your reaction?
1: My job is. Uh, <laughs> I, my I, my job is a teacher. I'm not I'm not responsible for, um, you know. Uh, i'm not i I'm not responsible for um some of the unfortunate things that are gonna occur in their process of learning um and it happens to the best i mean I think we saw Molly huddle I think we saw Emily Enfield dip in front of Molly huddle I think we just uh um, Quigley almost lose at the armory to kate grace um you know i mean i we, I, I, can, we can talk all day long about, you know, running through the line or watching the rail or watching the lane. The way you learn that, and, and that's why, I mean, I'm really happy for Andy, but if Andy lost the NCAA championship because he stepped on the rail, because he was looking around, because he wasn't channeling his emotion at the end, then I guarantee that's the only time that happens to, to him in his career. And, and it would be unfortunate it would cost the NCAA title, but, um, that's how you learn, so. mm
0: mm-hmm. um, Is this what's his mileage like? Is he comparable to, like, you know, some of your other cross guys, or is he a low-mileage guy, how much guy, how much does he typically rank?
1: Um, We got, he's done the most training he's ever done with me, um, and, and the aerobic stuff is all really relative. Um, relative to them. So we're um we're challenging his aerobic system still in the seventies at seven thousand feet. Um I think we went we went maybe three months in the seventies and we hit eighty maybe a couple times in there in the fall. Um but that's the really beautiful thing about him is, you know, he's a He's a distance runner and if, if we can still advance his aerobic system at that volume, then to me it's a great sign of, um that he's, he's got a lot ahead of him because, um, you know, he, he'll be racing people that are, to move their aer- aerobic systems forward, you know, into their twenties, it's going to be <laughs> a whole lot more foot strikes against the ground. So. Yeah.
0: Um, and he, he had a background in, in swimming as well in high school,
1: is that right? Was he running you around in high school? Do you know anything about that? No, I mean, he's just a, he's a, he's a great athlete. And he, um, and so I think what we, um, he was a soccer player and a swimmer. And what happened was um, his friends, um, his friends were all running track. And uh, he said, I can do that. <laughs> and I think he just, Again, he's confident. He said, "I can, I can do that. Like I'm, I can. You guys can do it. I can do it." And that's not how a lot of people enter the sport. Um, he's he he was such a good swimmer that, um, when I first got to NAU, he um, told me that he thought he wouldn't be. He didn't want to come back for a fifth year because he wanted to pursue triathlon, and, um. And I said, okay. I I thought we would just work together for a few months last year, and then at some point he came in and he said, uh, I want to keep I want to keep exploring track and field. But I mean, that was just a year ago that he thought he wasn't even going to be at the NCAA meet because he was going to go trying to pursue triathlon, which I'm sure he'd be great at that as well because he's he just thinks he can do things. So uh, if that might be something if you if you haven't have you talked to Andy yet. No. Yeah, if you if you talk to him, that would be something to ask him. Like, you know, he thought about leaving at the end of four years to, you know, to go to the. Maybe he will tell you about something changed in there.
0: Yeah, did, I mean, did you ha, did you talk him into staying, or ha, do you know? I guess did you play any role in that, or is that something I should try to get? Yeah, into?
1: I, I I definitely didn't talk him into. I definitely didn't talk him into staying. I think I. I I think my style is I I pretty much agree with whatever they say and then just try to give them things to think about it differently and um you know I think we probably got them to stay by me not trying to get them to stay and just letting them know what's possible and letting them know you can do this with the best people in the country if you wanted to yeah but I'm sure yeah I'm sure of that. Very sure of that, but again, the guy who was a year ago i mean he he wasn't you know he wasn't he wasn't gonna win an incident championship he didn't even make it an incident he was this was gonna be a big change in um belief commitment in the middle style of racing so
0: yeah um so if if you're number four guys. At NCAA's A's cross country to win an individual title on a track. I'm curious, how many guys do you think on your roster right now are capable of winning an individual national title?
1: Um. Yeah, we. I think we have. We have. Um, I don't know. I think we probably have. Six people or so who are who have the this is really what it is who have the um, the physical capabilities and the relationship with competition to be in that scenario. I mean, Andy Andy had the Andy was just as capable of winning the 5K the night before, but you can see it's just a minor thing like positioning and. And who else is in the race? And you know what I mean. And so all I can say is, sure, I, I have a I have a couple people on this roster who um, could be in that situation, the same situation Andy was in this weekend, um, and have the the skill set and the relationship with competition to to make it possible. But again, you could you could live ten NCAA careers over in your life and you know, the dice rolls a certain way and, you know, you don't have a championship. But that's why we can't assign our happiness to these things. You know, you can't, like, like, you can't assign, it's just so, I mean, it's just so, it's so random, right? I mean, it's like, imagine if it was like, well, if Andy wins, you know, um, then, you know, life is great and all I mean, it's just like, he just as easily couldn't have won and and, you know, you can't, it's just such fine margins, i mean it's literally does someone lean forward or not i mean did did someone get food poisoning did someone is someone boxed in is someone i mean it's just that that's all it is and um and so that's why you can't assign happiness to these
0: championships yeah um, you might have an answer for this next one you might not. i mean does does any winning does this send any sort of message or does this make any is, is this, you know do you have any overall takeaway, just that American guys really, they don't win the distance races at NCAAs that often. Do you view this as anything larger than what it is, just a guy winning a title, or does it say anything about, you know, American guys the NCAA in general?
1: Um, yeah, I, um, I believe the NCAA is a beautiful system to learn racing. And as the sport, you know, as the sport, um, encourages time trialing, and the more great times we're, we're going to, um, dumb down collectively or, um, our tactical capabilities and championship racing at the highest level of the sport um, is not rabbited and it rewards uh, racing, tactical racing. And I worry as a sport. I mean, we. I just talk all day with them about re- rewarding racing, rewarding effort, um, and that's what I consider myself a teacher of. And times are byproducts of this, and so I think who um, I want the highest level of competition in the NCAA. I love that it's that 3K is full of amazing athletes; any of them can win. Um, And then you have to become a problem solver. And I think um, the fact what country these people originate from. it doesn't. That doesn't bother me at all. So I, I think Andy's championship is a lesson in um, belief, and uh, everything changes when you change how you see yourself. Mm-hmm. And also in, um, it's a it's, uh, maybe an example of um, encouraging racing and uh, not necessarily running a ton
0: yeah and I just have one more just quick one with what uh, why did he uh lost your outdoors? uh
1: he had the uh he had the indoor season and my you know uh, he had the indoor season for a fifth year, and we really just wanted a full year and it was the largest being that um you know he he had been banged up a bunch in college and so uh I knew that you know, the you know, the stuff we were gonna do together, the you know, my system. He, he I really wanted to have a year with the drills and uh you know, I, I just thought, you know, the one year later he was gonna be um he's gonna be in a lot better position than one year ago and, and I think that it'd be, I mean, you know, last year, 3:30 and I mean he would have looked great in the NCAA. But I think in um, in 18 compared to 17, you know, he's got a you know other, got a whole other level of skills and confidence, and you know, that's just we had more and more months of um, that aerobic foundation, and you know, at altitude.
0: Great, um, yeah. That, that, I mean, I think that's everything. I wanted to cover. I appreciate uh, the time. Like, is, there, I guess, is there anything else I missed, or anything else
1: that's important to know that we didn't discuss? Um, no, that's that's it from my end. And I, John, I just want to say thanks. Um, thanks for you know it's, it's it, we're really proud here, um, but we 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 know that you got to, especially coming off a weekend like this, you got so many stories you could write about. And so just wanted to. Just say thanks for thinking of us and thinking of Andy and, and you know sharing his story with other people because I know you've got you got some fantastic stories out there you can feature.
0: Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the podcast, and this might become something we start doing more often moving forward. It depends. If I keep getting good interviews for feature profiles, we may end up running a few of those as podcasts as well. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening.